he is calling us to a gospel that a lot of the church is not going to hear. He's calling us to a gospel of holiness. You know, I am. He is showing me so many things, so many things that when he says something in his word, he means it. You know, and that's that's not where we have walked as the church. I mean, you know, we have lied a little, coarse joked a little, you know, uh, stole a little, slept around a little. We have done all kinds of things in the church, and we wonder why the church is sick, and we wonder why we need a healing ministry. Well, I now know why. Because of sin. You know, it's so amazing that one of my good buddies and I was talking about the Word of God just recently, and he said, you know, Thurman, I guess I am becoming a fanatic like you are. Because he said, everywhere I read the Bible, what you've been teaching me is all over the place. He said, how did we miss it all these years? I said, I really don't know. I don't know how I read it and studied it and looked at it and didn't believe that it meant what it said. But see, a lot of us don't believe it either way. A lot of us don't believe that God will punish us when we don't do what he says. And a lot of us don't believe he will do, if we're obedient, do what he says in his promises. Now then, the thing I have come to realize, that if we're obedient, I mean, you know, I've done a look up on the word if. (laughs) I could not believe how many times that word was in there. Hundreds of times the word if is used in the King James Bible. If you will do certain things, then I will do this. (laughs) If you will be obedient, if you... It's over and over and over and over the king made that statement. Old and New Testament. So, and that also that tremendous revelation that I've just had on a verse that I've studied so many times and quoted so many hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times... And I've asked this question to a lot of people. When I say, how many of you know what Ephesians 3.20 says? And some people hold up their hands and say, I know what that says. I said, okay, good. And then when I start quoting it, everybody knows what it says. It's been to church very long. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can think or imagine. Now, who do you think he's talking about right there? When he says, I can do. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Lord. The Lord can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or imagine. We don't have a problem with that. But then he makes this statement. According to the power that worketh in you. So I ask the question, how much of the power is in you? And you know what nearly everybody tells me? All of it. And I want to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. If all of the power of God was in you, then you would be able to do the exact same things Jesus did. Well, how do you get to the portion where you can make that power work for you? Number one, you've got to put it in you. You've got to put that power in you, and the only way you can put that power in you is read and study God's Word. 
Now, if you don't read it and study it, then you have very little of the power in you. And so you can't do hardly anything. He answers very few prayers. He may answer a few little prayers, but you won't ever see anything magnificent happen until you get the Word of God hidden in your heart. And as you worship and praise the Lord, like I was thinking, I was meditating on these things as we were singing. As I was singing, I was a thousand miles away. I mean, you know, I was in a place in the spirit world. I was thinking about God and who He is and trying to get a little glimpse of Him and His glory. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, these times when I close my eyes and I see things, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and all of a sudden I see things that I don't understand. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with me. You know, I have been sitting there before just looking at the floor. And all of a sudden, I see little red and blue things look like little something, molecules or whatever, and they're just zipping all around. And I sit there and look at those, and I think, Lord, what is that? I still don't know what those things are. But as long as I can focus on a given point, I can begin to see those, and they can begin to expand. I said, Lord, what is this that I'm seeing? I realize and have always known that there's many, many things on this earth that we can't see. I know that there is a second heaven, and I now realize that the first heaven that we live in is right here, which we feel comfortable in. But I also realize that right here within this same space is a second heaven, and if you, if God would allow you, you could just step through the veil and you'd be in a completely new place. It's right here, that second heaven. What's in that second heaven? Angels, both good and bad. Demons and Satan's domain. He lives on this earth in that realm, the second heaven. When you get a hold of the fact that our God defeated that devil 2,000 years ago, but he didn't annihilate him, I often wondered why. But I now know why. That when the Lord came and defeated the devil, now all power in heaven and earth is given to him. Now, he's in total control of everything that happens on this earth, so nothing happens on this earth except he says, okay. Nothing. Not a single thing. I mean, you don't never get sick unless he knows about it. You know, you don't never do anything except he knows. You know, I mean, when you begin to see these things happen, you will begin to understand why we have the problems we have. Now, one of the things I've come to realize in the ministry in the last four years is that there is a special forces, well-trained level of demons that are trained in every different facet of life. And those special forces... Now, Paul told us we don't fight against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, rulers, or darkness, and spiritual wickedness in Ephesians chapter 6. He tells us that. That's the only four levels he reveals to us. But I'm going to tell you there's many more of those guys than just those four levels. Now, there is a demon 
that is allowed to attack you if you coarse joke. They're special. And that's all they do. When you coarse joke, they're right there. And they're standing right here watching you all the time, waiting for you to make a mistake so they can get you. Ruthie, don't jump. He didn't come to get you. The fan came on as she jumped. <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, we're going to have to become so solid in our walk with God that if, if a bomb does go off in Dallas, if you're down in Dallas, you're going to have to have no fear or it's going to annihilate you. But if you'll have the kind of faith that God says and you're walking in obedience to His Word, I'm going to tell you you won't be harmed if that bomb comes. It's going to take some great faith to walk there. But you can do it. He showed us these examples in the Word of God. And He told us if we'll believe, nothing will be impossible with us. So if you have a problem, sickness or disease, somehow or another... We have opened the door to the demonic world. Now, this is something else I've noticed in the ministry. Wherever your sin is, that's the demon that attacks you. And that's the part of your body he attacks. If you've been promiscuous in sexual things, you've got some kind of problem with something that pertains to your sex. You know, like women. You know, they're sexually promiscuous. They have hysterectomies by the thousands. They have venereal diseases. That's the way you get them, by being promiscuous sexually. If you have unforgiveness, it's almost 100% of the time a demon of cancer. And you never know where that cancer is going to hit you. But nearly every case. If you've been doing a lot of coarse joking, a lot of coarse joking, and really, really complaining, you'll have problems with your mouth, with your throat. You'll have cancer of the throat. You'll have cancer of the tongue. It's amazing how we have noticed these things. But special demons have special things. Now then, God made us a promise in His Word. He said, if we will walk wholly and completely, totally without sin, no evil devil can attack us. And he said that in 1 John 5, 18. No evil one. He said, my true children don't sin. You know, the first time I read that years ago, I thought, you know, I couldn't be God's child. He said, I keep myself from sin. You know, you stop to think, if you've been taught all your life that you're just a worthless sinner and you're going to sin all your life, you kind of believe that. But once you get your mind transformed with the Word of God and the Word of God becomes part of you or con the controlling part of you, then you realize it's the part that's true and every man is a liar. It's kind of like when I was came, come against by all these PhDs that I sat with. I don't even know how many of them there was. And they wrote all these letters against me, condemning me. 
and I tried. I, I was asked by a man uh, to come and sit down and try to write rebuttals to all these letters. And after about a week of working with him, I finally asked him one day, I said, Sir, do you know these men? He said, Well, most of them I do. I said, How many of these men that are pastors of big churches or doctors of theology or seminary professors or whatever they are, how many of these men do you know ever get anybody healed? He said, Well, none of them. I said, How many of the young men that you've called me about in the last few months have gotten healed over the telephone? He said, Every one of them. I said, You know, I rest my case. I may not have the perfect speech. I may not be sharpened up, you know, with the English. But I said, obviously, God don't mind the way I talk. You know, he obviously don't mind. You know, so I said, if he's doing all these miracles, then if he's doing these things, I must be doing something that pleases God. And so when I go in and teach a holiness gospel from the King James Bible... And apparently the church comes against me. Well, I don't know what the problem is there, except that the devil's in the church. That's all I got to say. And that's so sad. But, of course, Paul told us that, didn't he? He said, you know, there's going to be those angels of light that's going to come in amongst you that's going to teach a lie. And I believe that this year is going to be the real beginning of the year when God is going to draw a line in the sand. Now, he did that with Moses. You know, there was a lot of people that said, we don't believe God's talking to you. And Moses said, okay. So he goes out there and he draws a line in the sand and he says, okay, everybody that believed God's talking to me, come over here on this side. And if you don't believe God's talking to me, go over there on that side. Well, they some of them went over there. He said, okay, is that everybody? That's everybody. He said, okay. Now then, if God is not talking to me, nothing's going to happen. But if God is talking to me, and what I'm telling you is the truth, the earth is going to open over there and swallow all of you. And everybody know what happened? The earth opened, and these men and women fell alive directly into the flames of fire of hell, and the ground closed right back up over them. Would that put some fear in the church today? You know, I don't think we understand who this God is that we serve. And I know I don't understand who He is. I can't go into that dimension where He lives. I can only understand a little about who He is. But today, I've got some things I want to show you and talk to you about that I believe is going to happen this year from the Word of God. Now, before we do that, if anybody's got a testimony that you want to give, I'll open the floor for a few minutes for testimonies. Anybody have a testimony you want to give? Here's got, got a gentleman right here who wants to give. We've got several already. Praise God. Step up here. Okay. Hello, my name is Steve. And uh, a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, I had uh, Pastor Thurman um, pray for a lady called Darlene who was dying of cancer. And... Within that last two weeks, for a long period, I couldn't go over and see her because she could only stay awake for like a half hour and she'd keep running out of breath. Last Thursday, I took her family over two pizzas, one for the family and one for us two. She talked for two and a half hours, and she's doing fantastic. Yesterday, I went over to see her, but I couldn't get to talk to her because she's on the phone talking to relatives and things for about a couple hours. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus, that's what I was <laughs> 
Does the God we serve still answer prayer? Yes, He still answers prayer. Praise God. Amen. Yes, He does. Since I started listening to this man, my faith went from down here to up here. It's got a ways to go, but I'm getting there. And the Lord is just the last year. It's just blows my mind all the things He's doing for me. Amen. Uh, other than the faith being, well, that's the start of it. Okay, and then he, he honored my faith, and he healed me of 52 allergies. He healed me of bone spurs on both heels. He healed me of sleep apnea. and show you how bad I used to have it. I used to go to sleep all the way to work and all the way home. But yeah, he would get me there and back safely. But anyway, he's healed me of that. Uh, what else? I, I need to start writing a list. I'm forgetting Amen. it all. Praise God. Uh, about a month ago, uh, I realized that I, I had symptoms of a hernia, so I started praying for that. Yesterday, I'm down on the floor doing exercises. I said, wow, the pain's gone. I'm healed of that. Amen. And, uh, there's just so many things. Amen. There's something else I know, but I'm, I'm going to blank. There's something else he did, but well, he needs to heal my memory, looks like. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm in agreement with that. Praise God, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Michelle's got one she wants to tell us about. Praise the Lord. Well, there were these cats that um, we rescued from Hurricane Dennis, and they ended up getting adopted. It took a couple of months. But everybody in my work was like, oh, they're not going to get adopted. I'm like, well, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and they went home yesterday, and they seemed all happy. So You got them all adopted out. Praise the Lord. This little girl, she's off out there doing wonderful things. She's out handling those little animals. God cares for those little animals just like He does you. You know, praise God. He's got people. He's given all different talents to us for different things. Glory to God, Brother Ray. Last night, my wife and I uh, got home kind of late. And there's a, we live out about 10 miles this side of Greenville. And uh, we don't go down this road when it rains. Because everybody I know, in my, in my family and in my son's family, everybody that drives cars has gotten stuck on that road. And my wife and I turned in. We didn't know it had rained because we hadn't been there in a couple of days. And uh, when I hit, as soon as I turned and went into the, uh, I was about a third of the way down, <clears throat> my car went sideways. And there's a ditch in front of me and a ditch behind me. And I'm sitting on the road sideways like this. I told my wife, we, we looked at each other. It's out there in the pit black. You can't see any, anything out there. There's no lights. There's no, nothing out there. So we sat there in the car, and I told her, I said, I'm going to try to back this up. And the further I, I tried, the, the further into the ditch I'd go. So I turned my wheels the other way, same thing. But So I, I, I thought about what the, what the Word says, and, and Thurman says, you need some help right now. Amen. <laughs> there's nobody. There's nobody out here but me, me and my God and my wife. That's Amen. it. So I asked for two angels to get that car and turn it around and let me back out. And I tried. I tried like three times to get that car turned around before I decided to, to pray and ask for those angels. When I asked for those angels, I turned my wheels on the car. The car turned back around this way. I backed straight out, straight out into the, and there's still muddy. I mean, I had mud all over the car, but it was going straight, going back. I turned back and got back on the road. 
when I got to the, to the house, my daughter-in-law was there, and she says, so she knew because my wife called her and told her we were stuck. <clears throat> and she said, you can officially say that you're part of the family now because everybody else. And I said, no, 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 you don't do that because I didn't get stuck. I said, I asked for two angels. They straightened my car up. I backed up and I got out. So I'm, I'm not going to go down that road again. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Benjamin, you have one? I mean, when you, when you, in other words, let's put it this way. When it, has it come to this, is it time to pray? That's the way we always do it, right? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, when I was back in Africa, I used to tell people either in the church or in the Bible school, hey, if you are a child of God, God is concerned about everything in your life. Amen. Amen. And I told them, for example, you lose your keys. And you don't know where you have put it. And you have looked and looked. Hey, stop. Tell God. Tell God, you don't know where your keys are. You have lost your keys. But please help me to find my keys. Then look again. You will be surprised. Oh, yeah. And uh, then when I came here, I I never heard this from anybody until I came here and I heard it from uh, Brother Thurman. He said... You can talk to God about anything. Amen. Because he's concerned about everything in your life. Amen. And uh, on the 19th, it ha- I had been suffering a lot from people who never want to think. In my workplace, I, I want to clear view to see very far. But somebody would come and park exactly in front of me. And sometimes I thought, wow, what shall I do? I, I can't talk to them. Some of them have big ranks in the workplace. I can't tell them what to do. And I thought, but man, if you cannot see, my uncle used to say, can't you smell? How can I see through your car? And uh, that made me to suffer for some time. But on the 19th, before that, they started to do some new work on the plots. Uh, and... Uh, I sat there thinking, how am I going to get this problem off? And it was like, a, I heard this, pray. Oh, come on, pray? Okay, I know how to pray. So I said, God, you said if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and shall be done unto you. Amen. I said, God, all I want is, Whatever these people are doing, I don't know what they want to do. I don't know how much they're going to do it. But from here, along the fence, I want it to open all through. And uh, I finished my prayer. Oh, the prayer, I know God has answered that prayer. And uh, I went home. The next day, Friday, I came back to work. And my colleague called me. He said, hey, walk towards me. He said, you see where I have uh, tied those uh, yellow kind of tapes or whatever they were? I said, yes. He said, don't allow anybody to park there. I said, hey, what is happening? (laughs) And uh, he said, those who have parked now, as soon as they move, don't allow anybody to come there. Then he came out at a certain time and 
put drums in certain places, even put a drum behind a truck. So that if the, the truck can pull forward right away. If the truck goes away, nobody is going to come to enter here. And I thought, wow, something is happening. And then I told him, I said, so, what's happening? He said, oh, those slots are not going to be used by anybody except uh, handicapped people. And I thought, wow, this is getting better. <laughs> then I told him, but you see, this particular place in front of me, I also wanted it to be opened. He said, no, no, those ones are not going to be opened. And I thought, wow. I was going to tell him, oh, praise God, God has... But I thought, oh, God, are you telling me you have not answered my prayer? But I was still thinking, no, 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 God has answered that prayer. The next day when I came, this, this same, same guy, no, 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 the same, the same light. After some time, before I went home, this guy again came out. He said, oh, walk towards me. I said, what? <laughs> so I went. And he said, those two places, those were the ones in front of me. Man, how I rejoiced. Now, like, places for two cars in front of me from where I am all through to the end open. And I said, God, I praise you. Amen. This is not, like not very important, you know, it is like something very trivial, but no. To me, concerning what I am doing is great. Amen. And I thank God Amen. for answering prayer. Amen. He's interested in everything. I'm Amen. He's interested in everything we do. Praise God. Everything we do. Anybody else got a testimony? Sharon, come up here. You've got one. We'll take yours and then we'll get to the word. Sharon's got something she won't share. This girl, she's had a lot of revelation from God. Okay, yeah, go on. Tell them what you want to. <laughs> uh, it, it was several years ago. The Holy Spirit kept telling me to go see my niece. And my niece lives in Paris, Texas. And it was like three weeks. He kept telling me, you need to go see April. You need. Finally, I'm like, whatever. So I go down to see my niece, April, and I said, what do you want to do? And she goes, let's go to the lake. We went and bought mass, and we we're floating around on the lake. And she started telling me, she goes, oh, I, I just feel bad. And I'm like, why? And she said, well, the last time I was here, I lost my keys. And she was just turned 12, and her mom gave her her own set of keys. That was like three weeks before. And I said, well, you know, the Lord loves you, and all you got to do is tell him, and we'll get him. And she goes, okay. So we prayed. And we're looking kind of around the trees, and this man comes along to empty some trash. And I said, go ask that man. She goes and asks the man, and he goes, yes, they're at the office. And we went and got her keys, and she's like, Jesus loves me. And sure and I'm like, yes, he does. And so then I just went home. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. It's amazing what God does for us when we ask. Oh, goodness. I mean, since we're on all these faith testimonies and what's happened, I guess I'll, I'll share one with you that happened to me when I was still in the workforce. I had this beautiful young lady, about 35 years old, come in one day to try to sell me some radios. I had called him, and I needed some radios. And so she came in. She was a salesman. And she came in, and she sat down in my office, and 
she was just a real sweetheart. I mean, she was a beautiful, young, 33 or 4, 5-year-old woman. And I found out real quick that she really loved Jesus. I mean, when I said, she walked in, I said, hi, young lady. She said, you Mr. Scrivener? I said, yes. She said, I'm the salesman. Come and talk to you about radios. I said, great. I said, before we talk about radios, I'm going to talk something personal. She said, what do you want? I said, I want to know if you know my Savior, Jesus. Wow. And she said, wow, you're one of them kind. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm one of them kind. She said, I love Jesus with all my heart. I said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? She said, I am. I said, praise God. So we got to talking. We must have spent an hour talking about the Lord. And then we talked about business. And uh, I ordered several radios from her. And I said, I need those by next Tuesday. She said, okay, I'll go order them, and I'm sure we can get them. So she went in and she told her boss, which was also a beautiful lady, just a few years older than her. And her boss called the factory, and they said, there is no way they can get those radios out by next Tuesday. It'll have to be the next Tuesday. That's the quickest they could possibly get them out. So she called me back and said, I'm sorry, sir. There is no way we can get those radios out. I said, who told you that? She said, well, my boss. I said, is she a Christian? Oh, no, she don't serve God. She said, no, I'm telling you, I've tried to witness her. I've tried to be a witness to her, and she just won't listen to nothing I say. I said, hmm. I said, I think it's time this girl saw a miracle, don't you? She said, what do you mean? I said, the king made me a promise. He said, if two of us on earth would ask anything in the name of Jesus, he would do it for us in Matthew 18, 19. I said, do you believe that? She said, absolutely. I know that verse. I believe it. Well, see, I know she's a born-again believer. I know she's Holy Ghost filled. I know she's walking holy before God. I know she's walking in obedience to the Word. Because I spent an hour with her finding out all these things. She ain't sleeping around. She ain't messing around. She ain't lying, stealing, cheating. She's walking holy. And she had no qualm, no qualm telling me about that. I said, okay. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus... I want you to put them radios that are in their dock the morning of next Tuesday so they can deliver them to me Tuesday afternoon. I said, now you made me a promise in Matthew eighteen nineteen, And I said, I know you're a God and you cannot lie. You're not a man. So I'm standing in faith and this young lady's staying in faith with me and we're agreeing and it is done. She said, praise God. I said, do you believe it? She said, yes. I said, you go in and tell your boss. You don't care what that factory said. Those radios, tell her to order them. And those radios will be there next Tuesday. So she goes in and tells her boss. And she said, he said, order them. But he got to have them next Tuesday? He said, yes. But he said, they'll be here next Tuesday. She said, I called the factory myself. They said, they cannot get those radios out till the following Tuesday. He should come back and call me. He said, but my boss said, sir. I said, look, did you agree with me? She said, yes. I said, you go back in there and tell her. I guarantee. Tell her we prayed. Until we ask the Father in the name of Jesus to deliver those radios to the dock next Tuesday morning, and I guarantee they'll be there. She goes in and tells her boss that, and he says, This guy's crazy. <laughs> next Tuesday morning, she calls me, and she said, Well, Mr. Scrivener, it's Tuesday morning. I said, I know. I said, Go out on the dock. She said, I've already asked him. And they said, there's no deliveries and they're not here. I said, that's just a deception of the devil. 
I said, you walk out on that dock yourself and I'm going to guarantee you that pallet's going to be sitting out there with them radios on it. I said, now before you go out there, tell your boss. She goes in and said, ma'am, those radios are here. She said, you and Thurman both are crazy. She said, I have already been out there this morning. There's already been a delivery and those radios are not there and they won't be here till next Tuesday. She said, well, they're there. Let's go out there and see them. And so she said, Thurman, you'll never know how I felt. Said, on the way out, I am sweating blood. I said, God, please show up for me. She said, we walked out on the dock and the lady said, there's another pallet. They wasn't there earlier this morning. She goes out there and it's my radios. They deliver them together. The boss comes out to meet me. And when she comes in, I talked to her. She said, my boss wants to meet you. And so we wanted to come out and deliver the radios, you know, since you bought such a nice quantity of them from us. It was a lot of dollars. And so my boss wants to meet you. And then she whispered in my ear when the boss had her back turned and said, she really wants to meet you because of your faith. And said, she knows it was impossible for those radios to be here. So we sat down, we're talking a little while, and I said, young lady, are you a Christian? Well, no, I don't believe in the Bible. I said, what a shame. That devil has deceived you. And I said, you're going to listen to the world instead of God's word. And I said, one day that devil will drag you screaming into the pit of hell. And you won't have another chance. And I said, you know, you didn't believe in God. But this little lady right here at work for you, she believes in God. And I said, she and I stood on God's word together. And she went and told you that we prayed. And she guaranteed you that we prayed in the name of Jesus. And that the radios would be here on Tuesday morning. And you said it's impossible. The company said it's impossible. But I said, what happened Tuesday morning? She said, well, all I got to say, they were there. I don't know how it happened. But she said, they were there. I said, young lady, it happened in the name of Jesus. And that's what you can do if you have faith and you believe in God. Well, this woman was awestruck. I had the privilege to minister to her several other times. And every time I would talk to her, she would get a little softer and a little softer and a little softer about God's Word. Because, you know, when you, when you pray for people in the workforce, like Benjamin did, you get to see God do wonderful things when you pray. I think about when the president of, we were going to start buying ice instead of making our own ice out there because we, we made about 40,000 pounds a day. You know, that's not just exactly a little bitty ice plant, you know, to make that kind of ice. It took several men and a lot of big machines to do this. And so we decided that maybe we'd try it for a while to buy ice from a corporation. And so I got a hold of one of the big ice makers here in Dallas, and, and the guy came out, him and, the, and so I told him what quantities I wanted. When you tell them you want to buy 40,000 pounds a day, they'll send the president out to talk to you. <laughs> and if you tell them you need 500 pounds a day, they send a little, you know, inexperienced salesman out. But when you want to buy 40,000 pounds a day, they'll send somebody who knows what he's doing out there. So that's what they did. And this guy came out, and my first questions when they walked in, good morning, gentlemen. Do you guys know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, they kind of startled, but they both said yes. And I said, well, where do you all go to church? And then they begin to break down, and I begin to break the ice and let them know that I'm just a born-again believer that loves Jesus. That's all I am. 
And so after about an hour talking about this, we go into business, we talk about business, and we get a contract signed and everything. And then he says, by the way, he said, you seem like such a great man of faith. He said, I want you to pray for me before I leave here today. I said, what do you need? He said, well, they've transferred me down here from one of our other cities. And he says, I've got a house up there. And, of course, him being the president of the corporation, I imagine it's a fairly significant house. You know, he's probably not living in a little $100,000 house. But he had a house that was costing him a lot of money. And he said, I moved down here and I bought another one and said, it's costing me a lot of money. But I plan to be here for a long time. But I sure do need to sell one. that one. That's been on the market for about three months. And I haven't had a looker. He said, I need to get rid of that house. I said, no problem. No problem. I reached up and laid my hand on him. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, send an angel to bring the proper buyer that needs that house to buy that house. And Lord, he wants to sell it quick. So I want you to do it this week. Not next month, this week. Now, did God say we could ask anything? I mean, you know, people say, you can't tell God what to do. No, he told me what to do. I'm just doing what he says. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, quoted a verse or two, and asked the Lord to send that angel to bring that man or buyer, whoever it was, to sell that house. And, Lord, the person that needed it and everything, and it would be the right price for him. And I said, Lord, thank you for selling it for him this week. And I said, it's done. I said, you've got to believe God's Word. He said, oh, man, I believe the Word. I said, okay. That was on Monday morning when he was out. Wednesday afternoon, he called me. The house had already sold. Within three days, the house sold. You know the thing I've come to understand that God honors after obedience is faith. If you don't have faith and believe Him, you will never see Him do hardly anything. But if you have faith, nothing is impossible with you. That's right out of God's Word. Now then, let's go to some of these things that I want to talk about here. I believe that God is going to do some of these things. We're going to start at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to anoint us all with the Word of God in here. And Lord, I pray that every person in here today is a born-again, spirit-filled son or daughter of yours. If there's anyone here, here today that does not know you, or anybody in here that's a predator or a wolf in sheep's clothing, or any unbeliever, I ask you to let your Holy Spirit fall upon them, convict them of sin, and bring them into a relationship with you today. And Lord, if there's those of us that are your children, I rebuke the devil and command him to leave and not to steal a word out of nobody's mind or heart, but may your word fall on our ears and our heart, and may we hear it and receive it and act on it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless us as we read it and study it now, because you're our God and our Lord, and we're your children. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 24, verse 38. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. How would you like to be going through your life? Now, here's what we should do. We should live our life like today is going to be your last day on the earth. Every day. But you should plan your life like you're going to be here another hundred years. In other words, life lived in terms of dying is much more dynamic. Let me ask you this question. You have plans for this afternoon, do you not? After church, tonight, you have plans. What would you do different if you knew that at 6 o'clock tonight, your soul was going to be required of you? If Jesus was coming for you, and the seconds were ticking down, what would you do different? Would you do anything different? If you would... You're not living where you need to be living. If you would change anything, you're not living where you need to be living. Because nobody knows what the next second holds. Some of us think, well, yeah, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. I'm going to go here, I'm going to do that. You don't know nothing. You don't know if you're going to get home tonight. Because nobody knows when God's going to come for them. I mean, that came home to me extremely powerful four and a half years ago. At six o'clock in the morning, when I got up with a family I'd had forever. I'd been married forever. You know, since I was a young man. To one woman. Had one family. One man, one woman. Forty-one and a half years. That's God's plan. It don't happen for everybody because of sin and hardness of our hearts. But I had no idea that morning at six o'clock when I got up and said bye to my wife, my daughter, and my grandbaby. That two hours later, they'd be in eternity. Had no clue that I was seconds away from losing them and going through the most intensive battle of faith I'd ever been through in my life. But it happened. And I made it through it. And I came through it as a man of faith, standing in obedience to God's Word, and saw God blow the socks off of many people that didn't believe nothing. That say they're Christians. I mean, you cannot believe the people that come to that hospital that were my Christian friends. So, Thurman... Look at her. Just let her go. It's not going to do any good to pray over her. Look at her. The doctors all say it's impossible. Her brain stem severed. Her eyes are disconnected. And look at what she looks like. She's tore all to pieces. Just let her go. I said, no. If God didn't mean for me to ask Him to do supernatural things, He shouldn't have put it in His Word. And they come and tell me, you can't tell God what to do. I said, I ain't telling God what to do. He told me to ask anything in the name of Jesus. He told me if I'd be obedient, 
and walk holy before Him, hide His Word in my heart, then I could ask Him for anything and He'd do it. And I said, I believe Him. Well, let me tell you. That little girl that couldn't walk, couldn't run, that couldn't move a muscle, that they said was impossible to live, she just had her eighth birthday and had a report card from school that ever grade on it was a perfect straight A and she's the fastest girl in the second grade. Let me tell you, when I asked God, I didn't want her to live. I wanted her to be supernatural. And I'm telling you, I asked for that and God gave me that. Now, if He's no respecter of persons, who will He do that for? Everybody that believes the Word and stands on it. So we don't know when He's coming for us. He expects us to walk holy because I had no idea that morning at 6 o'clock that the Lord was coming for my wife and daughter. I had no idea that was going to happen. But it did. And you don't know that either. So live your life today like it might be your last day. But plan your day today like you're going to live another hundred years. You know, that's the way you got to live it. Because nobody knows. Only Jesus knows. And he says in verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. So everybody ain't going to go. One's taken and one's left. Two women should be gathering at the mill. One should be taken and the other left. Watch. Therefore, for you know not at what hour your Lord comes. We're not watching. We are not watching. Some of us are as unimpressed with the Word of God as we can be. We hate it because we're in church. We'd a whole lot rather be out fishing or something. And you know what? <laughs> That's where you ought to be. That's where you ought to be. If you're not happy with being in church and you don't love what God's doing, and you're not, you won't enjoy being in heaven anyway. You know? If you're not enjoying God's work, you sure ain't going to enjoy being in heaven. You are not prepared for the King's coming. If you don't love Him and praise Him and worship Him, you don't know the King. You can't know Him and not love Him and worship Him. Can you, Rico? Absolutely not. I think about in 1981. I think about when this man didn't know what Jesus... He had only been a Christian a few years, but he didn't know what God was fixing to do to him either. But in 1981, when that D-ring broke at the fourth floor as a fireman in Dallas, and he fell four floors to the pavement below and hit on his hands and his head and his knees on the way down, or just about the time it happened, God told him, said, Rico, trust me. Trust me. Let me tell you. You know, when you're falling, when you hear God say, trust me, you're kind of like the guy that's hanging on the side of the cliff or the branch. And he said, somebody up there, help me. And a voice comes down and says, let go. He looks up and he said, is somebody up there? He said, yeah, I'm up here. He said, help me. He said, let go and I'll help you. He says, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> That's us. We don't believe God, see, but 
the, the God was there. He knew what was going on. Here's this guy struggling, and he can't reach him from the top, and it's dark, but the guy's up there. He says, go ahead and let go. He says, no, I can't. He said, just trust me, let go. And the guy starts turning, and he says, are you sure you know what you're doing? He said, I guarantee I know what I'm doing. So he starts letting his hand slip. And just as he turns loose, he only goes about a foot and he's on solid ground. <laughs> and he said, see, I told you, I knew the ravine was only seven feet deep and you were hanging six foot up there. Your body's six foot. About, so I knew you were only one foot off the floor. So I knew if you'd turn loose, you'd have to be fine. You, know, you could have sat there and hung on that all night. You know, but if you just turn loose, you're okay. But it takes great faith. When you can't see what's down there. Well, that's kind of the way we walk through life. We have to trust God. He knows what's down there. We don't know. But when Rico trusted God, I mean, he fell four floors and crushed his head back, broke every bone in his body, and I think he's been about a year in a body cast in the hospital. And God, they've done all kinds of surgeries all over him, put pins, screws, and everything else in him. But all these years later, he's on fire for Jesus. And of course... All in that trip, he got to take a trip to heaven. I don't want to have to do this to get to go to heaven. <laughs> I don't, I, if the Lord ever has to let me, just go ahead and take me, Lord. I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back and suffer what he had to suffer the next year. I guarantee you I don't. But he got to make a trip to heaven. And God showed him all kinds of wonderful things that's going to happen in the future. And it's amazing. But let me tell you, that guy loves Jesus. He's been there and seen the king. You know, just like Paul. When you've been there and seen Jesus, hey, they nothing can draw you away now. But he's had that privilege. But I haven't seen him. And I don't want to go through that experience to have to see him. I'd love to see him, wouldn't we, Ty? Love to see him. But we don't want to go through that to get there. I mean, I'm like everybody else. I want it to be easy, Lord. I want you just to walk in that door. No, if you did, I'd probably, I couldn't see. I couldn't stand up. I'd, I'd be on my face. That's what I'd be. It would none of us could stand in the presence of the king if he walked in that door. But he said, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord comes. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into. That's pretty good information. He said, So therefore be you ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I'm going to tell you, everybody in this room is going to go in a rapture. Not the one you think about, but every individual since Jesus has had their personal, own, individual rapture. God comes for people. I mean... Ty sitting there had an awesome experience when his father died, when his dad died. His dad loved to eat, and he was a fairly heavy man, and he loved to ride four-wheel motorcycles. And his dad died, and Ty was out there on the farm, and he saw in the spirit his dad riding a four-wheeler with a big turkey leg about four feet off the ground as he come by and said, Ty, it's wonderful. You're going to love it when you get here. Didn't you, Ty? Yeah, he saw that. Some people said, I don't believe that. 
Okay? Don't believe it. You know? I mean, that's what's wrong with us. That's why we don't see God do anything wonderful. It's because we don't believe. I mean, you know, I mean, the doctors in Cook's Medical Center. I mean, they told me over and over that she cannot live. I kept telling them she wasn't going to just live. She was going to fully recover and be better than normal. And, of course, you think about Dr. Davis, that beautiful lady. Doctor, you know, I don't know how old she was, 35, 40 years old. When she walked up that morning, she says, Sir, you are the only man I have ever met in my life that refuses to accept reality. I said, Well, ma'am, you've trained yourself as a Christian with your five physical senses and not with the Word of God. I said, You live in a realm that's on this earth. And I said, Unfortunately, that's where most people I've met live. But I said, There's another realm, another dimension. Way beyond where you've lived. And I said, I've stepped over into one of those. And one of those dimensions or realms is called faith. It's another place with God. I said, when you step in that, He does things there. He don't do for anybody else. You've got to step into that realm or that dimension. I said, I've, I've stepped into that. So I said, I'm going to guarantee you, my God... Is when y'all pull the tubes out of her, she's going to breathe over the machine on her own and she's going to cough. Now see, Jesus said, if I walk holy in obedience to his word, I can have whatever I say with my mouth if I believe it with my heart. That's a pretty awesome realm to step into. Whatever I say, I say she's not only going to live, she's going to breathe over the machine on her own and she's going to cough. And so they pulled all the tubes. They just bowed their heads and thinking, you know, well, she's going to die. They pull all the tubes. And as they pull the tubes, she breathes over the machine, two points on her own. And then when she coughs, they're hysterical. She can't do this. (laughs) And after an hour of sitting there watching her breathe and cough on her own, and after an hour of saying, it's impossible. She can't do this. I told them, I said, guys, let me tell you all why you never see God do a miracle. Because you don't believe he has done it, even after you've seen him do it. And I said, you have to step over in this realm to believe it's going to happen first. When you do, I said, it always happens. It always happens because God made the promise. So he's telling us here, always to be ready. One thing you know for sure. In fact, you know, I don't believe people believe this. Did you know the day is going to come one day when you're going to die? You know how I know that? Because the Word of God says every man, it is appointed for every man, wants to die. You know you're going to die one day? You know what we do? We don't plan to die. We don't live our life to die. We think we're going to live forever. Nobody is planning to die. We're all planning to live. And that's good that we plan to live. But we also need to prepare for death because it's going to come. Let me ask you this question. Out of the billions of people who have been born on this earth, how many got out without dying? How many do you know? I know two. I know two. But only two 
that's not a very high percentage. What did it take for those two men that got out without dying, what did it take for those men to be able to do that? They walked holy and pleased God. How would you like to walk that holy and please God in that realm? There's another realm beyond what we normally see that if you can walk that holy and be obedient to His Word, He took two men out and they didn't die. It's written in the Scriptures. Now, there may be others that we don't know about. That's not written in the Scriptures. But He wrote those two to tell us about it. You know, wouldn't we be surprised... If we were to find one day when we get to heaven that there was many men and women that had got to heaven didn't have to die. He just translated them out because they were so obedient and they were doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's, it's amazing. God could just take them out and nobody ever know what happened to them. Godly men, godly women. But, you know, He can do anything. But He says to be ready because you don't know when that day is going to come. Walk holy in obedience to His Word. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Now he's asking us a question. He's talking about what's going to happen. Then he says, who is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Who is this wise and faithful servant? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he come, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. You know, when I read scriptures like this, it makes me want to be about the king's business. I want to be about God's work. Whatever he's given me to do, I want to be about his work. Because, you know what? It makes no difference whether you believe God's real or not. He's real. And he's coming. And he's going to judge you according to this book. You know, you won't be able to stand in His presence like I used to when I worked for a company that had a union. And if I did something to someone, or I fired someone because I caught them stealing, you know, they could go to the union. And they could come against me. And sometimes they would win their case. For some strange reason, you know, they would be able to come against me and be able to prove something or whatever, and they would be able to get their job back. Well, let me tell you, when you get to heaven, there ain't going to be no union leader to call. You know? if, you don't, if you're not able to go in with your brother Jesus as your attorney, and he pleads your case, you're in big trouble. That's the only thing that you can get in there with is the blood of Jesus. Now then, if you go in there and you listen to what he says here. If you are that faithful servant and you've done what the Lord's called you to do, if you've done what he's called us. Now, he's told us in the New Testament many things what to do. Well, one of them is to be out witnessing, telling people about Jesus. You know, saving the lost, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, raising the dead, opening the blind eyes. He's telling us to be doing these things. Now, unfortunately, most of my life I didn't believe I could do those things. And so I didn't go do those things. So I never saw God do anything until I started believing that He could do these things. And I obtained that faith from reading the Word of God. 
as I got the Word of God down, it began to work for me. And it works well, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Praise God. But and if. Uh-oh, there's another. Well, I sure hate it when there's a but and an if. Because I know there's something he's fixing to tell me that I probably don't like. But and if that evil servant. Uh-oh, he's already calling me an evil servant now. I have done nothing yet. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants. And to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant. The Lord of that servant. He's your Lord. He's coming in a day when you looketh not for him and in an hour that you will not be aware of. I can only imagine if I was a Christian and I was down at the bar half wiped out trying to petition some girl to go to bed with me and the king come. How would you like to be there? I don't think so. I don't think so. What if you were working for some company and you were in there and you had the safe open and you were taking out $100 or $10,000 or whatever, depending on the amount of money that they had available that you thought you could steal or embezzle and they wouldn't know, and you had your hand in the till to steal the money or you just got it and you started out the front door and the king said, that's it, it's time for you to come home. Bam. How would you like to come home with those kind of conditions? You know, just like a friend of mine, I taught these boys these things where I worked. These men that worked for me. I call them boys. I mean, some of them 40 years old, but that's boys to me. You know, they're young men. I told them, you can't steal nothing. You know, if you're a Christian, God knows you can't take nothing home with you. The company don't owe you nothing except a salary. Whatever they pay you at the end of the week, that's it. They're clear and clean with you, and you can't take nothing home from this place. Nothing. Not a can of Dr. Pepper. Nothing. They don't owe you a dime once they pay you. And during the week, they pay you every day, so you can't take anything except what they give to you. If you steal anything or take anything, you're stealing it. Well, one of the young men that worked for me, about 40 years old, he'd been there many years, I think about 18, 20 years. And so he had a boat. And one weekend he's going to the lake and there's a little brass nipple on his boat, a little for the water pump, that he had busted and he needed one. That little brass nipple cost a couple of bucks, you know, a little half inch brass nipple. So he goes back in the bin back there. He said, oh, I've got to have that for my boat this weekend. And he picks up that nipple and he puts it in his pocket and he walks out the door. He walks right through the building. No, no condemnation, no nothing. He's a Christian. I've been teaching him these things. He walks out the door, punches out, and walks out. And the minute he walks out, the Holy Spirit said, you stole that. He didn't say a word to him until he walked out that door. He said, Lord, I didn't steal that. He's arguing with God now. He goes, gets in his truck, and he goes home. The next morning, he gets up and goes out the lake and starts to put it on his boat. The Lord said, that's a stolen part. He puts it on there, and the Lord says, that's a stolen part. He said, God, I ain't never had you deal with me like this in my life. He takes the thing off, goes and puts it back in church, drives to town, buys him a little nipple, comes back and puts it on. The next morning, brings it back and puts it in the bin. 
Then he walks in my office just like this. He said, I hate this. I said, good grief, what do I do to you now? He said, I never had this kind of feeling before you came here. I said, well, what do I do? He said, you've taught us the Word of God. I said, well, what's wrong with that? He said, I stole something this weekend. As soon as I walked out the door, all, I, all weekend long, I was under conviction. I had to bring it back this morning. I said, praise God. I said, you heard the Lord. And you, I said, you saved yourself. The Holy Spirit was convicting you. And I said, if you'd have left that on there and been disobedient, you'd have probably wrecked that boat. There's no telling what it would have cost you this weekend. That's why God knew if you stole that $2 part, you'd have probably run over a log in the lake and maybe you'd have drowned and everything else because you would have opened the door to the devil. And he said, then he backed off and said, you know, Thurman, I really love it since you've been here. I have never experienced anything like this. But he said, God really does talk to us, doesn't he? I said, oh, yeah. He talks to us. He don't want you to do things wrong. But see, he, you didn't know. What if Jesus had to come for him while he was on the way out to the lake? What if he had been under conviction and he didn't bring the thing back? And what if the Lord had, he had died or got killed in a car wreck and the Lord had caught him up with a stolen $2 nipple in his pocket? You know what that would have cost him? Every reward he would have ever earned for the kingdom. When he got home, he wouldn't have had a single reward because he's a thief. His works would have been put to the test and he wouldn't have got any rewards. The Lord says that in his word. But he says... The Lord of that servant shall come in today when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about the Lord of that servant. Is he talking about a lost person or a saved person? I'm going to let you draw the conclusion. If you're God's child, if you are his, he's your Lord. And he said, if you do what I tell you to do, what did he say he'd put you over? Everything. All of his possessions. He'll give you great and awesome places of power. In the kingdom. And that's going to be forever. You know, I know this is another dimension. But how would you like to be a totally obedient child of God? You read the Word. You studied it. You prayed. You walked holy. You walked in obedience to the Word. And one day the Lord came and snatched you away. At some long life, maybe as 80 or 90 or 100 years old. And you were still just as strong like a bull ox. I mean, you could run and play and cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, open blind eyes. You could do everything the king told you to do. You and him were one. And then one day he said, that's it. I've stood it as long as I can. I've got to have you to come home with me. I've got to have you up here. And you're gone. And he snatches you away. And then you're in eternity. And the king, he says... I love you, and I give you all these wonderful rewards. This is the things I prepared for you, and I put you over all these many things in the kingdom. And then one day he says, you know, you were so faithful, and you walked in such great faith on the earth. He said, now come on, son. Let's take a little trip out here. It's been a couple of hundred million years since the 
the recreation of all the earths and the planets. And the cosmos is getting just a little bit crowded. You know, we've got, we've got people that we've sent out to every galaxy all over. And they're all being inhabited. So I need another little galaxy out here. Only about 200 million light years across. Only with 20 more planets and a few more suns in it. You speak it into existence for me. Now you've got to have faith to even think like that. We have no idea what the king has prepared for those that love him and serve him. And you won't never know till you get home. Some people said, I can't even think like that. Well, let me tell you, a few years I couldn't think like that either. But a few years ago I couldn't think about raising Caitlin from the dead either. I couldn't think about putting her brain stem back together. I couldn't think about walking in and speaking two verses over a little girl with her head busting open, both pelvis totally crushed, when the doctor said two and a half to three months if she lives and see her running and playing in two and a half weeks. But I've seen all those things happen. Why does God do those things? He does them because of your obedience and your faith. You've got to watch your mouth. You've got to watch your mouth. Sharon and... Cheryl and me were talking all ago, and Sharon said, I'm going to have to put duct tape on my mouth. I told her, I said, I think I need a whole roll around my head. You know it? Yeah. It's amazing how God is listening to every word you speak. And when you start walking in faith, guess what? He holds you accountable for every idle word you speak. We have all... In fact, Sharon told me a while ago that she was just coarse joking the other day with some people. Just a few days ago, right, Sharon? And the Lord spoke to her and told her that was coarse joking and she was to stop it. Isn't that amazing? Just a simple little thing with a bunch of folks just having a good time. Made a little comment, and the Lord said, Sharon, stop it. You're my daughter. That is coarse joking, and I will not allow that. Woo! Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's, he's done that to me, too. I paid the consequences. You know, guarantee you. But this guy is going to pay serious consequences. And the Lord, when he comes in an hour that he's not aware of, so you might say, wow, I went to church today and I didn't believe nothing that guy said. I am not going to believe a thing he says and I'm just going to go and do what I want to do anyway. And you might be driving on the freeway or riding down the freeway and ma'am, your heart stopped. And the next second, you're in eternity. Isn't that amazing? How quick it can happen? I know. I've seen it happen. I think about, I had a cousin and her husband and both of their children. And we went to see them at a reunion one time in Cross Plains, Texas. And they were young. He just graduated from Baylor. Just got his degree. And he was a lawyer. Had his first job. And they bought him a brand new car. They looked like they was on their way. And on the way home from that reunion, just before they got back to Waco in the rain, 
a guy pulled out in front of a bridge and an 18-wheeler slammed on the brakes and the trailer jackknifed and they ran under that trailer and it cut the top off of that car and killed all four of them. I went back up there to Cross Plains the next day with my mother and dad and walked up and the little girl was just about two years younger than me. I had played with her the day before. And there she lays in that casket, dead. And her little brother, which is a couple of years younger than her, he lay beside her in another, and he was dead. And there lays Mama and Daddy, all four of them dead side by side. You, know, you wonder, why? Why? Well, hey, if you were to ask of a whole group that was there today, who do you think would die first? Well, there's a lot of people there that was in their 70s and 80s. You might say, well, Grandma or Grandpa would be the next one. Who would have dreamed that they would have been the next one? Young. Life just started. The little boy's only about four and the little girl's about six or seven. And they all died that day. Nobody dreamed that was going to be their last day on this earth. The Lord comes for you in an hour that you do not know. So you've got to be prepared for that day. If you are, then He's going to put you over so many things. If you've been faithful, you're just going to be awestruck at what God's going to put you in charge of. But that's how much He loves you. But this, you notice, is for His obedient children. Well, let me tell you something else I've learned. He also says, while we're here on earth, if you'll do what I say, I will also bless you abundantly here also. And that's a great place to live. When God meets all of your needs and does... I mean, He didn't promise to meet all of your wants, but He promised to meet all of your needs. Well, let me tell you, He has definitely met all of my needs. Now, I had no idea, no idea 30 years ago when I bought that piece of land out there and went head over heels in debt for that piece of land. I thought, you know, I want to buy a little piece of land. And we bought it and paid for it. We struggled. We paid it off in 10 years instead of 30, actually nine and a half. And then a friend of mine came in and had 47 acres to the west of me. And he said, Thurman, I want to sell that to you. I said, good grief. I'm 50 years old. You know, I can't afford to buy any more land. I can't go in debt. But he said, I got to sell it. And I said, well, okay, what do you want for it? He said, I'll let you have it for $2,500 an acre. I went home, we talked about it, I said, you know, 47 acres at $2,500 an acre, that's a lot of money. I said, I thought to myself, no, I can't do that. I don't know what might happen to me in the future. See, I'm not really a faith man at that time, not very much. But the next Sunday at church, he said, we want to buy that land? I said, no, I can't afford that. He said, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to make you the best deal you ever had in your life. I said, what? He said, I'm going to sell you that land for $1,900 an acre. I said, you know, I, I really, I just can't, don't believe I can step out at $1,900. I just, that's still a lot of money. nearly $100,000. He said, but Thurman, you need that piece of land. It joins yours. I went home, talked about it. I said, okay. Land's already bringing three and $4,000. I said, if everything, something happens to me, I told my wife, I said, if something happens to me, you can sell it. And get your money back. And so at least you won't be left with a big debt. I said, okay. I went to him and said, I'll buy it. I bought it. 
paid for it in about eight or nine years. The Lord gave me, blessed me so many ways. And little did I know that one of the richest natural gas reserves in the world was just 9,000 feet under it. And although I made a big mistake when I signed the lease, we're still drawing right now. This last check, this last month, was $3,500 for my part for one month. Hey, that ain't a bad gift after you retire, especially when you got $1,500 Social Security, and then they throw $3,500. That's 5000 a month. I didn't already make that when I was working. God has blessed my socks off. I got money now. Don't owe nobody nothing. I mean, I can pay anything whenever somebody comes in and needs money. I mean, if somebody comes in and says, I need a couple hundred dollars, I can give it to them. No big deal. I don't have no needs. God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. You might say, well, Thurman, you're crazy. I couldn't even start to live on 5000 a month. What if you can't? Shame on you. <laughs> you know? If your living standards are that high, that's okay. Mine's not that high. Everything I have is paid for. My home is paid for. Every, my cars are paid for. Everything's paid for. The only thing we owe any money on, we owe just a little bit of money on the car Cheryl had when we got married. And I'm going to guarantee it ain't going to be long. We're going to have that thing paid off. And then we're going to be debt free. Totally debt free. So, you know, 5000 a month, great money coming in. Now, on this earth, if you'll be obedient, God will bless you like that. He will bless you. He may not give you a million dollars. Now, if he knows you can handle a million dollars, he'll give you a million dollars. He knows if you're going to use it for his glory, he'll do that. But if he knows he can't trust you with a million dollars, he ain't going to give you no million dollars. You know, but that's the way it is. Then, let's read just a little bit more here in one other verse. That was in Matthew 24. Let's read just a little bit Matthew 25, and then we're going to quit. Then another story about the kingdom of heaven. It's like unto ten virgins. Ten virgins. That's supposed to be like us. Which had took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. It's ten of these girls. And five of them were wise. And five of them were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. Now, I've heard people say that since oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, some of the church has the Holy Spirit and some don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, is that true? I don't know. But I do what the Word says. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Those are the foolish people. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. You want to make sure you got the Holy Ghost. You want to make sure you stay full of the Holy Spirit every day. Make sure you're prepared. Because while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. How many of them slumbered and slept? All of them. It's kind of like the church today. We're all kind of slumbering and sleeping a little. We're not really full bore Jesus. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamp. When the church hears he's coming, they all want to know. They're going to all write. The king's coming. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so. 
lest there not be enough for us and you also, but go ye rather to them that sell oil and buy for yourselves. So while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other virgins, crying, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered to them and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. I know you not. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let me tell you. I want to be ready when the King comes. I want to be witnessing to somebody. I want to be leading somebody to Jesus. I want to be out there just like last week. I mean, I had all kinds of people come to the ministry center last week. And one of the families that came out there last week, I sat there and talked to that family. And I said, do you know Jesus? And the little boy said, oh, yeah. And I said, when did you come to know him? He said, I've always known him. You see anything wrong with that? Oh, yeah. Nobody's always known Jesus. Oh, everybody comes in this earth is lost and belongs to the devil. Every human being is born on this earth. Your father's a devil. You have to come to Christ by faith in his word. You've got to realize you're a sinner. Somebody says, I'm not a sinner. Let me ask you a question. He says, if you break any one of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty and you can't enter the kingdom. Only if you keep the whole law. So let me ask you this question. Anybody in here had ever stole anything in your life? You haven't. Everybody has stole something. I don't care who you are. Not a single human being had to stole something. So what does that make you? A thief. Has anybody in here ever told a little bitty white lie? Mm-hmm. Some of some great big white lies. So what does that make us now? A lying thief. And now has anybody in there ever even had a bad thought about a sexual thought about somebody else? Some of you men there and done it. I mean, not just had the thought. Some of you went to bed with a hundred people in your life. I mean, some of you have really blew the stack off of this one. And those of you that hadn't been to bed with a hundred, you might have thought about it about a thousand. So what does that make you? An adulterer. So now you're a lying, thieving adulterer. And you're going to stand before God without Jesus? Let me tell you, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You know what he's going to say to you if you show up and you're not washed in the blood? In the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Down to the pit of hell you go. You can go scream, holler all you want to. But just think, I don't care what you've done or how bad you've been. When you come to Jesus and say, Lord, wash me in your blood. He said, that's what I sent my son for. I'll take you right in. He said, I will save you, and if you will ask me, I'll fill you with my spirit. And he said, if you will believe me, I'll heal your body. He'll do it all for you. But he said, I'm a faith God. And when you come in, you've got to believe. This little boy didn't know that. So when I explained all that to him and his family, I said, now, son, would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? He said, I would. And his mother sitting right beside him said, I've never done that either. 
I want to make Jesus Lord of my life too. Both of them got saved right there in the minister center. Two souls got saved that day. Did you know there was a lady contacted us this week at the healing school? And she's got a Catholic brother-in-law that's lost. And she is willing to buy Cheryl and I a round-trip ticket to Ireland to go witness to her brother-in-law. You think she knows the price of salvation? She's going to... She won't know. Will you go? I said, well, yes, I'll go. And she said, well, can I, is that your wife back there? I said, yes. She said, I'll, I want to talk to her and I'll give her the information. She is willing to buy us a round-trip ticket to Ireland, both of us, just to go over and spend two days to witness to her brother-in-law. What is the price of a soul? What does the Lord say? What if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what would it profit him? Nothing. You came into this world with nothing, and you're going to go out with nothing. There's only one thing you can take with you. Souls. Men. Men and women. They're souls. And your rewards that you're going to earn while you're here working for the kingdom. Let me tell you, after what the king done for you and me, I don't want to go out with no rewards. I want to go out... I want to continue to hear the Lord's voice. I want to continue to see Him work miracles and do the things He does. I love serving the King. And if you ever step into that realm, you will love it too. And when He starts talking to you, you will love it. You will love it. He will give you wonderful, great, and awesome revelation when you serve Him and become His true son or daughter. But you just have to... Spend time with him 24-7. You know, you're not just, it's not a, it's not a Sunday thing. No, not a Sunday thing. In fact, if you want to be sick and you say you're a Christian, just come to church one day a week and don't read God's Word at all and just live in the world six days a week. And I guarantee something serious is going to happen to you in the future. I guarantee it. It'll happen. I know. I think about those two ladies up there in the north. I've told this story before. In fact, when I told this the first time to Roy sitting back there, Roy, he threw up his hand and said, Thurman, you ain't going to tell me. I said, yeah, I'm going to tell you. He said, I knew it. I'm going to tell this story again. He, Roy won't remember it until I tell it. But I'd been to, up in the north, and I'd preached up in an Assembly of God church a few days. And I come home, and I was telling my Sunday school class in the Baptist church about some of the miracles. And I said, after church was over, one of the men that invited us up, we were staying in their home, he asked us to come over to their home for dinner that evening after church. We did. And what were there? Two ladies, two precious young ladies, about 40, 35, 40 years old, walked in. And I, they walked in. I said, you girls Christians? And, of course, this man introduced me as the ladies live right down the block. And I said, are you girls Christians? They said, well, yes. You know, not just jump out. They just kind of hesitantly said yes. I said, well, do you ladies go to church? One of them said, I do some. The other said, I don't go. I said, would you girls tell me about your medical history? And what makes me think they have a medical record? Because they're disobedient children of God. And if you're not willing to serve God, there's all kinds of scriptures that let you know that 
you're going to come under judgment and persecution. And but people have never connected the two, yet it's all over the Word of God. So anyway, I said, what's wrong with you, young lady? Well, she said, I've had surgery on my shoulder. And said they put, had to go in there and put bolts in my shoulder and said I can raise my arm about this high. We said, that hurts. I looked over to the other girl and I said, how about you? Well, she said, I've had back surgery three times. And the last time they put two stainless steel rods in my back and I can bend over about this far, she said. I said, can you take a full step? She said, I walk in half steps. I said, does it hurt? She said, it's excruciating. I said, let me ask you girls a question. If y'all would repent and make God a promise that you'll turn from your wicked ways and you'll go to church and serve him, he'd heal you. And they looked at me and said, he'd what? I said, yeah, he's the healer. See, I said, y'all have not been in church enough to know who God is. The girl said, what do you mean he'll heal me? I said, he'll take away your pain and everything. I said, you, you said you went to church some? She said, yeah. I said, would you repent right now and say, God, I'm sorry that I've not been obedient to go to church and I'll repent of my sins and I promise you, Lord, beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'll be in your house somewhere. I'll go to church and I will serve you. I said, would you do that? She said, yes. I said, well, do it. So she did. And then I walked up to her and it was this arm and I laid my hand on that arm. I said, now, in the name of Jesus, I command that stainless steel bolt in your arm to become flesh and bone. In the name of Jesus. I said, now then, thank you, Lord, for doing it. I said, now, honey, raise your arm straight up. She said, I can't raise my arm up. I said, you couldn't while ago, but you can now. She started up and she says, there's no pain. I said, I told you, God's wonderful. And then I walked over, and when I, but she raised that arm. She's screaming, God's wonderful. I hear over in the background, Lord, I repent. I repent. I repent. <laughs> oh, I thought now then that she's got, seen God do a miracle. She's ready to serve God. See, they had no idea that all this pain and suffering was coming upon them because they'd been disobedient Christians. Had no idea. That's why they the hospital all these times. This girl's repenting. I walk over, and I said, now, Lisa... You're ready to repent. You're ready to make God a promise. You're going to stop sinning. You're going to go to church just like your other your sister here in the Lord. And you're going to serve God? Yes or no? She said, God, I'll serve you. I said, okay, he'll heal you too. I walked up and put my hand on her back. I said, now in the name of Jesus, I command those stainless steel rods to become flesh and bone. And that's when Roy said, you can't go there. I said, oh yeah, Roy. Oh yeah. I believe God. He said, I ain't never seen a man with as much faith as you got. I said, but you know, that's what it takes. And I spoke and commanded those stainless steel rods to become flesh and bone. And thank the Lord for doing it. Because he said in John 14, 13 and 14, I can ask for anything in the name of Jesus. And he will do it. Now see, if you're walking in obedience to the Word, he'll open that door where you can believe that far. If you're not walking in obedience to the Word, you won't never get that revelation. So I asked him to do that. Then I said, Lord, thank you for doing it for Lisa. She made you a promise. She repented. I said, now, Lisa, honey, bend over and touch her toe. Four. And she went, wow, and touched her toes. And then she come up and said, there's no pain. And she starts running in place, jumping and screaming. screaming. I mean, is God awesome? He's awesome. See? What does it take to see him do these kind of things? 
obedience and faith. Now, if you're not walking in obedience, he will never reveal to you these kind of things. But, you know, my faith has grown a little since then. You know, I mean, I mean, just like the other night when I prayed for Dr. Gary out there in Salt Lake City, Utah. I prayed for him over the telephone. Didn't even get to touch him. He's a thousand miles away. Fell out of a tree and broke his back 35 feet up on Tuesday. On Sunday, he called me, prayed the prayer of faith for him. Elder, what did God do for him right there? Healed him right there. Elder knows him personally. Praise the King. We serve an awesome Jesus. That's the Jesus we serve. You know, whatever you do, get ready because He's coming again. And nobody knows what hour He's coming. So if He's coming and He finds you working for Him and doing what He says, He's going to snatch you up and He's going to say, Well done, my servant. Now come into the joy of the Lord. I prepared this for you. But you don't want to be one of them servants that ain't serving Him. You don't want to be one of them that's going out and getting drunk and beating the servants. You don't want to be one of them. Because he said, when that Lord or that servant comes, he's going to cast you, that evil servant, into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I definitely don't want to be that servant. But he's going to make that decision based around your obedience. Wow. Father, thank you for the Word which tells us who you are and what you will do. Now, Lord, I'm just a messenger boy. You're the Holy Spirit. You're the one who has to convict people that your word is true. I just read it just like it's written and let you do your part. Now, Lord, I thank you and praise you for this mighty word. Because, Lord, it has certainly helped straighten me up. And, Lord, may it straighten me up totally, completely. I want to walk in total obedience to your word. I want to do everything you say. Because, Lord, I love seeing you do the mighty miracles that you do. I am so blessed to have the privilege of walking in this realm of faith. And I know I'm walking there because you allow it. It's totally you. I can take no credit for nothing. You've done all these wonderful things for all these people. And Lord, I'm so blessed just to get to be the one to tell them and to pray the prayer of faith and see you do it. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, if there's anybody here who don't know you like that, I ask you to convict them today that they'll come forth and make Jesus Lord of their life. And if there's anybody that needs to be healed, ask you to convict them, Lord, that you're the healer. And if they'll come forth and we'll pray for them, you'll heal them. There's many of us here that'll be up here praying for anybody that needs prayer. Father, thank you. We ask you to do miracles, salvations, healings, and everything else here today. And meet every person's need today. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.